Hi there, and welcome to another episode of Sound Stories, an inspirational podcast for creative professionals and storytellers who want to improve their lives at home and at work. I'm Stephanie Cicerelli, your host and co-founder of Voices.com. Today, I'm joined by Bob Breen, owner and production manager at Armor Pro Audio Visual Inc. In addition to being a business owner, Bob is a well-versed speaker, teacher, and audiovisual technician who is passionate about helping others on their path of career development, as well as all things tech. He's been in this business for over 20 years. Welcome to the studio, Bob. Hi, Stephanie. Thanks for having me. There's so much to talk to you about. Of course, I've known you before this session, too, uh, mm-hmm. and... I want everyone to know that you have an extensive background in audio. We first met because of OIART, the recording school, uh, Mm. but you've really been in LA. You've done work all over the place. Maybe just tell us a little bit about what your career has been up till now. Okay. Well, like many people that went to OIART, I had the moment where I decided I I didn't want a regular job and uh, had always wanted to pursue sound for a living because that was my real love, of course. You know, starting as many people did with, uh, you know, with a guitar and um, and not a lot of musicality, probably. Um, so uh, I, you know, went to Oyard after that. I I did uh, get lucky enough to be hired in a studio in Los Angeles where I worked as an assistant and an engineer and eventually a studio manager for about seven and a half years. And then I had an opportunity to come back and teach at Oyard for many years when I, which is where I met yourself and David, and. Um, uh, helped people get careers in sound and audio and and in audio visual uh, in particular for for uh, for many years. Um, happy to say that Oyart of the uh, uh, five Engineer of the Year Juno nominees this year, two of them are people we taught during my time there. Oh, fantastic! Year, uh, which is cool. You know, it's great to great to see them have you know progressed that far in their careers so far. Um, and uh, I decided to take another career step uh, uh, late last year. I bought a business that's 28 years old in Woodstock, Ontario, called Armor Pro. And now that's my uh, that's my full time gig. And and you know, in part inspired by yourself and David for sure uh, to be an entrepreneur and figure things out as I go along. I think. <laughs> yeah, well, that's what we're all doing, right? Life yeah. is just a big journey of of trying to figure out what to do next. And something that interests me in particular, and, and those listening here, is is mm-hmm. live events, kind of production where anything could happen, literally anything, really. And it can be a stressful environment for most people. I know live sound is a bit of a, it takes a special sort of someone in a live environment. And you do find yourself working in live environments still. Right. Um, I You do have to bring some calmness to it, I think. You know, I had worked with people like Motley Crue and Danzig and people who may not be, um, the easiest to keep happy, and uh, and that becomes through repeated exposures, I guess, uh, a comfortable situation for you. I I actually kind of like it. Um, what stresses me out is sitting at a at a desk and trying to put together a quote, um, which uh, is probably a lot more comfortable for some people. I like the action of having a lot to set up and having people that need to feel. Uh, calm and secure about how things are going. Um, I'm okay with that 
part of it. <laughs> well, as I said, Bob, <laughs> you're one of those special is. people, I think, that, that I've recognized because it really is a path where you have to be someone who can improvise. You're watching what's happening in real time. You're trying to make sure that you're meeting the needs of people who may not be able to articulate even what those are. You did mention a couple, one being just confident in that the equipment is going to work. Like mm. that is like no one wants to have something not work, especially a microphone or a speaker system goes or or a, a lighting situation. I don't even know what that might look like. Perhaps you can explain that later. <laughs> but honestly, like you're trying to help make these people look their best. And anyone who's telling a story on a stage is reliant upon people like you and their companies to help make that happen. That, that's right. And that's why you hire a professional. It's my job to make technology invisible. You don't have to worry about it. You don't hear feedback because I know how to optimize the system for your room. Um, there's a hand on the microphone or a hand on the fader to make sure that if somebody doesn't speak very loud, we hear them anyway. Or if somebody speaks too loud, it doesn't take everybody's head off. You know, you, that things like that. Um, and you do it automatically. You automatically know. And I think what comes with experience is sort of knowing what to do and not being scared to do it aggressively. If that means, you know, having to re-equalize a speaker um, because now they've turned their head for the PowerPoint or this person. You know, everybody's using the same mic, but this person sounds different than that person. You, you know, the first step is just make sure that it's on. And then after that, you you start crafting and it becomes it becomes second nature, right? Yeah, well, after you've put yeah. so much time and effort in, I'm just thinking people who are running conferences, maybe you've got a whole day worth of activity, different speakers coming up. Uh, you, you've got a plan, obviously. You're going to want to work with a professional. So when people do create events like this and, and they're mm -hmm. trying to have a really, you know, they've spent all this money on the food and they've got great speakers coming in and, and all kinds of attendees from all over the continent. But if they're not investing in the technology and the way that that information is being presented, then they're really doing their attendees a disservice and, and the speakers look, you know, not so great. And, and it, it can just be a real muddy sort of thing for people to experience. So at what point should people be involving their audiovisual crews in the planning process? Right. Well, as soon as possible, uh, definitely, you know, so that you have um, adequate equipment and adequate personnel because that, that makes a big difference. Like if you think about a TED conference or something like that, um, you know, there's going to be a professional there who is putting a mic on Al Gore. And, uh, you know, he may need to know where the, I don't know, on switch is, for example. Mm -hmm. um, you know, things, things like that can be a disaster because the communication's not there or... Uh, the tact of the individual giving them the mic is not there. And now they're not going out with a clear mind to speak because, you know, they were just dealing with somebody that, um, you know, maybe said something inappropriate. Um, so there's a little more that goes into it than just the, the technology part as well. Yeah, well, I've had my share of, you know, microphones put on a jacket or a suit jacket and all these other things. You know, if someone had said to me, and this may come across very strange coming from someone who works in audio, but mm -hmm. not everyone knows 
what kind of clothing you need to wear in order to support a you know a lav mic being clipped to to your coat or your pants or if you're mm-hmm. wearing a dress good night forget it like there's almost nowhere where they can put it um and it, it's not exactly the the best situation and to have a jacket on that has pockets real pockets i know I've, this is from experience um you know you have mm-hmm. to have somewhere to, to have those those pieces sit because you do spend a lot of time. I'm talking to you creatives out there. You're going to speak at a conference. You're going to go and, and do all kinds of different things. Maybe you've got a Broadway show you're putting on. Maybe it's the Oscars that you're running. If you don't have all of these little pieces in place, then it's just like the signal chain. It will break down, uh, be it lighting, be it sound, um, you know, knowing what your cue is for going on, having someone manage that process. So, mm-hmm. um, Even things yeah. like making sure people have the right mics. Or something that uh, that I've encountered uh, more than I'd expect, where you know somebody walks out on stage and they're you know they're talking and nothing's coming out, and so you look down quickly and you see that a different meter is going off than the one you were led to believe was going to go off. So you you know you turn it on quickly so nobody has to wait too long. But um, for for me, it's always a source of great shame if somebody walks out and goes. And nothing oh, comes out. Gosh, yeah, that's awful. Even if it only happens for two and a half seconds. Right. Well, right? I've I've been in situations where I had to turn on my own microphone, but was not aware of that fact. So as I watched the people who were sitting next to me, you know, okay, that person's talking, but you can't actually hear what they're saying. So I better look at my mic. I better make sure that there is some kind of a button. And and I did that, and I turned to my uh, peer who was standing beside me, I'm like, hey, 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 like flick your mic you know but those those sort of things should not happen uh Mm. because then well it's unnecessary really like when you've spent enough time to have the right tech there to not have people able to use it um right away that it it just makes the presentation look like it's it's amateur that that's right and everything can be perfect and it still looks amateur when you have that moment where somebody comes out and there's the pause that does make the technology visible hello is this thing on makes the technology more visible than it needs to be even if you get it solved in seconds usually people forget about it but uh but that's that's the level you need to be at where people walk out and things are just on so fresh batteries if you're doing something and there's some kind of wireless you need fresh batteries you need to make sure that you um do a frequency scan when you get to your venue you know, uh, frequencies when you're using wireless microphones. Um, it's going to be different wherever you happen to be located. So, you know, I always make sure, even if you don't have a wireless coordinator with you, start with your first mic, clear scan the area, make sure that that first mic is working and you're not having a problem with it. Leave it on, go to the next one, leave it on, go to the next one, leave it on. Simple things like that. So hopefully by the time you're done, you know, however many mics you've got um, are working together and that's not going to be an issue. You can't just go, well, you know, I got on Channel 5. It worked in Tavistock. I don't know why it's not working in Buffalo. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, it was just 
I had those two cities in my head. I'm like, ooh, that's an interesting juxtaposition. <laughs> um, but I hear what you're saying. Like, you can't rely on what you believe to be true on past experience. Yes, it informs it, but that doesn't mean that it will always be the same. Because if there's anything we know about live anything, that is that it is unpredictable. So that that's mm. interesting. So I just want to talk a bit more about the lighting, if we can. Um, so when you, we were talking about audio, we mentioned that it's, it's good to have directionality. Obviously, the microphones are going to pick people's voices up and, and speakers should be in a certain way that they push the sound out and not point the sound back at itself. So it has like a, you know, any kind of a sound that is unpalatable to the ear. Uh, but with with lighting, it's kind of more about the line of sight. Is that right? Yes, I, I guess yes, line of sight and um, as well illuminating the the speaker in such a way that they, you know, they're not glowing. There's a hot light too close yeah. to them that's too bright and nothing behind them so that, you know, because when you only have lights from the front, it kind of looks a little two-dimensional. Uh, I see. Right? So a little bit of backlighting can help, you know, make the, um, even out the shadows, make the, the person appear more three-dimensional. Light obviously is is important and it can help to set the tone just as sound can for how things are in a room. But um, how can we also use light to kind of set the stage and, and make that a comfortable place for people to be as they are taking in an event? Hmm. For Well, you, you often don't have much to do with what's happening in the hall, whether it's, you know, people bringing just bringing down the lights or taking down a few banks of fluorescence. You know, most of the halls we work in, they're typically fluorescent uh, lights. So, you know, usually you have to go around and find where the switches are and figure out, and I kind of have to do this on the fly, right? How many can I turn off before it's too dark? For audiovisual, lighting really wasn't necessarily a thing for the average, I don't know, annual general meeting or, or whatever until LED lights came along. Because it used to be if you wanted lights you'd need a stove plug and an electrician and you know it would it would suck an awful lot of juice to to adequately light a stage uh with leds the knock on them is that they're a little bit cold but they don't take as much power and you know fortunately what um what's come along with with lights you know they have uh instead of just red green blue and white they also have an amber uh color that that um, shows up in the elements so that you can make it, you know, a little bit more like a traditional incandescent. So in audio speak, it's kind of like going from vinyl, you know, it's that going, nice warm it's sound, going from vinyl to right? Digital. Like you've got, yeah. and then all of a sudden you got these cold lights, but but you can find ways to make them warm. That is cool. That, that's right. Like with an incandescent type amber uh, element, but uh, the nice thing about the, about LED lights is you can make them any color of the rainbow. And if you're working with a particular brand, you can match up their color exactly. So you can get a Coke red or a TD green. We had to do uh, that kind of thing. With lights, as far as setting a mood goes, you know there are, you know, if it's going to be sort of dark and sepia tone, that's going to be one thing. If it's as opposed to if it's bright and flashy. Um, but uh, you can do similar things with how you mix sound to, to create mood as well, whether it's the level of, of uh, reverb or uh, dryness or even uh, what you choose to feature. Um, you as a mixer are constantly defining what the listener is going to focus on. And that changes from second to second. 
Um, not just, okay, this person's the singer, I shall make them louder than everybody else. Um, because when the singer is not singing, if it's a good band, somebody is probably doing a little fill between this line and the next one. And you have to be able to read that as a mixer and push it up a little bit. You have to give it a little bit of something. Or maybe, you know, there's a point where there is no singing. Well, what should be occupying people's attention now? And what should that feel like? Um, you know, so so it might be, okay, the guitar is what's carrying the groove here now. And it's being supported by, I don't know, supported by the bass and there's some kind of atmospheric thing behind that and maybe if i make it sound just a little bit further away that will create a picture in the mind of the person that's listening and and create a certain feeling and when it's a live show especially if you haven't had a chance to rehearse extensively with the band you just have to read it as they're doing it and uh, if you're really lucky uh, and you know the band is listening to what you're doing with them sometimes you start a little interplay that nobody really uh, planned on you know like uh, I mixed a band a little while ago where there was a, a bass solo and as soon as the bassist started playing his solo I changed his tone completely so that everybody would hear every note of what he was playing as opposed to feeling him underpinning the the groove right and uh, and he could hear this like whoa I'm out front all of a sudden we didn't just leave it and now I'm playing a bass solo and I sound like a backup instrument so I'll get this over with quickly Instead, the guy lost his mind, <laughs> and it went on for, oh. I don't know, three or four minutes. He was liking it. He was liking it yeah. and, and played inspired. And, uh, you know, when, and then when the rest of the band came back in, I completely changed the sound again so that he went back into the mix. And uh, everybody in the band was delighted to see this guy featured in that way, and they get done the song. And, well, this, is, this, this band was, um, was nominated for a Juno in the blues category. And they're like, wow, that's some of the best sound we've had on this tour. And I'm sure it was because, you know, we made the bass player look good. But well, that's the whole job that you have, right? Is to help make yeah. those people who are, you know, the center of attention or maybe in an ensemble to make them look good. So when you're able to, as someone who is in sound or in lighting, mm -hmm. to honor those people, to help to lift up their talent and to, to, you know, solo in, like, you know, as you're saying, that bass is doing a solo and, and not normal that you would maybe pay so much attention to someone who is playing a backup type instrument. But when you do, then you honor the entire performance, the entire ensemble. And, and it does add something special to it. So I guess what stands out to you about somebody live in that performance, be it they're talking or singing or playing that would let you know what you should do to make them look absolutely wonderful and as if they are literally the center of the universe that's uh, that's an interesting question because I, I I don't know I think it comes with experience um, you know having listened you know when you listen to a lot of music or work on a lot of different kinds of sound you start getting a sense of what sounds right and what doesn't sound right and that and that's true for you know if it's a speaker for example you want to make sure that everything they say is intelligible um, you really want to make sure that that um, that everything a, a speaker is saying is intelligible and sometimes that means you know zeroing in on things like the consonants you know the the articulation and what they're saying and getting rid of the low end, getting rid of the bottom, because that's just muddy in a hall. And uh, people's brains fill in the low end that's missing anyway. It's just the way your brain works uh, when you listen. Um, 
as long as the, all the hints are there, pe- people will fill it in. So you can sometimes make people sound a little cleaner. A lot of it is just listening and paying attention and not being afraid to make drastic changes fast. And I don't know how you learn how to do that without experience because I only started doing it after I'd been doing it for so many years that I, I didn't you know approach um, a mixing board with great fear. And uh, I don't know how you get around that besides um, just trying things. You have to feel out the room uh, as well, which um, and I and I don't want to make that sound more complicated than it is because if you're working in a room, you are there already. But you do have to be very sensitive and aware to the mood of the the people in the room. It's almost like you can feel it if somebody can't hear someone clearly or and you just have to react to it right away and use the the tools that you that you have and whether it's mixing a, a voice or um, music, uh, it's the same thing to me. it's all it's all sound. It's all great sound. you want great sound um, or you know a great look with the lights or you know and you, you know when it's right, but it's always different depending on what the situation is. Light and sound really do help us to tell stories, and I'm so glad that you touched on all of those different aspects of it, from tone and warmth and feeling and just all of these fantastic tips also for how to do things right and, and how also to, to prepare and to save face maybe when something has gone wrong. Um, but before we go, Bob, like I know this is very near and dear to your heart, just audio, sound, you know, the lights and, and just how we can create an environment that is wonderful for performance so can you take us back to a time when you were completely mesmerized by what you saw and heard and and how did that make you feel as someone who was just enjoying a performance with the knowledge that you have right well you know it's it's funny we talked a little bit about you know one of the things we batted around was well if you could do anything if you had any kind of money what would you do and i was like why don't i have an answer to that I have no answer. Why don't I have an answer to that? Um, and when you talk about, well, tell me about a show that you really enjoyed. And, and um, I realized that the first thing that came to mind was seeing Arcade Fire in 1990, nope, 2005. It was the year they broke. And they weren't yet famous, but David Bowie showed up. That was a big deal. And David Byrne from the Talking Heads was there. And then Clive Davis came out from his label. And uh, because they were an indie band, none of these people had anything to do with why the place was full. They were there trying to figure out what it was as much as anybody else. And the thing that they did well, and the thing that I probably strive for, and maybe one of the things I realized, is it's not always the amount of money you spend. It's ideas. It's the ideas that you have. And one of the songs that struck me was they played this song off Funeral called Seven Kettles. And all the lights on the stage were just blue. And the band could all play multiple instruments. And several of them lined up as a string quartet in this blue light while they sang Seven Kettles. And it was was a visually interesting tableau because they lined up in a particular way and they sang a song that had a particular mood and it had a, a particular look to it. And they had this friend of theirs that had come down from Montreal and she had painted the album cover. And before the show, I remember she was like hanging 
these sort of funny drawings of, I don't know, fingers <laughs> and things like that. They just had a particular look that you think of as Arcade Fire in 2005, funeral era. They had their little ties on and things like that. But those were all little artistic choices that didn't cost a whole lot of money. And, but they were very deliberate artistic choices. And I think maybe that's the, the thing that, that, that um, uh, really strikes me about a great uh, performance or a great audiovisual experience is it isn't necessarily buying more stuff and layering more stuff on top of other stuff. What it actually is is looking at what you have and making a creative choice with it. And anybody can do that. Um, with just about any kind of budget because it's ideas that compel people. It's ideas that interest people. It's ideas that that grab you and make you think, I want to get up there and talk or I want to sing or I want to get up, I want to be a songwriter, I want to be in audio. It's ideas that get you excited, not technology and not, um, and not necessarily more gadgets. Um, the gadgets are great if they help transmit the ideas to the people in the audience and do it successfully. So I spend a lot of time thinking about technically how to make sure that we don't mess that up. But um, at the end of the day, nobody's going to show up if not for ideas. That was beautiful. <laughs> I must say, it was very, I, I couldn't have said it better myself because it really is about ideas. It's about stories, about telling the story and the lighting, the way you described it, the blue light just kind of pooling down on these people who could switch instruments here and there and, right. and just kind like of choosing singing the song. choosing to turn off a lot of lights. Yeah, really. And it leave is. the blue ones on. You know? Yeah, well, and leave the blue ones on. But again, <laughs> as you say, it's a choice and yeah. all of these are kind of artistic choices. Like as I've heard, different people say but uh one person in particular who i will reference here bob bergen he's an actor in hollywood and does a lot of voice work you might know mm -hmm. him as porky pig and bugs bunny kind of taking on the mantle of mel blank but what bob mm -hmm. will say is that you know basically it it is about choices being made because if you're an untrained actor you will make guesses he'll say mm -hmm. and if you are a trained actor you make a choice so what i'm taking away from this today is that because you do have this wealth of experience and certainly people who are also like you in, in different areas of the country whom uh, others may choose to work with just because of location, if they have mm. that experience that they can draw upon where they make choices that will benefit that live performance, that performer, the speaker, then they're in good hands. Mm -hmm. And that's what you count on those people for is their ability to make good choices for you. Um, so don't undervalue that as well. You know, it, when you hear people say, well, they, you know, they, oh, well, they just did blank. Well, that's, that's right. They, they did. But isn't it wonderful that that's what they chose to do? <laughs> well, exactly. Well, I'm yeah. just so glad that you're here today, Bob. If there's anything uh, that, you know, maybe people want to follow up with you about, what's the best way to reach you and to learn more about what you do? Um, well, my website is uh, armorpro.com, A-R-M-O-R-P-R-O.com. Uh, we also have a Facebook page that has, you know, pictures of what we've been doing that's accessible from that page. And you can reach me at bob at armorpro.com. And uh, always happy to talk uh, creativity and sound and lights and music and um, hockey. Definitely always happy to talk hockey. 
Thank you for tuning in. And if you haven't already done so, I'd like to invite you to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, as well as give us a rating. We love hearing from you and gathering your feedback. Once again, I'm your host, Stephanie Cicerelli, and I hope you can join us for our next Sound Stories podcast.